welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason here, joined by Ben Mandel and John Pauline. This is episode 17, rolling on. First episode in the month of June. Two months down, a few more to go. Getting close to the halfway point in the season. And we're starting to see how things are shaking out. We know the good teams. We know the bad teams. Some surprises on both ends, looking at Arizona and St. Louis to the extremes there. But also, we have a couple teams that we're not really sure what to make of them. Teams like the Yankees, the Mets, the Blue Jays, basically the whole AL East, really. Are they good? Are they bad? How do they? How are they going to fare down the stretch? So there's a lot going on in baseball land right now. And one of the most uh, interesting things I think to happen recently is in the Chicago White Sox game. I don't know if you guys saw this, but in the bottom of the 10th inning, White Sox at the plate, they walked it off on a wild pitch. Now, it wasn't just any wild pitch. The pitcher threw it. The catcher didn't touch it. It went straight off the umpire's face. The plate umpire just took it right off the noggin, bounced away, run scored. Coincidentally, all the runs scored in that game were from wild pitches. The White Sox winning two to one. And it was just, I don't want to say dangerous, but it was a little gut-wrenching to see because you take a 90-something mile an hour fastball right off the face. It doesn't matter how much protection you have. That's a scary sight. I don't believe the umpire was concussed. Not much has been released other than that he's kind of okay. But just a really interesting thing to see and just a wild way to end a game. Clayton Kershaw facing the Yankees the other day. He got his first win of his career versus the Yanks. And now there's only three teams he hasn't gotten a W against. Ben, John, do you guys know those three teams? You want to take a guess? What teams has he not gotten a win against in his career as he gets to that elusive mark of beating every team in the league? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Corey. I'm I'm not too sure when you when you look at something like this, it's interesting because you look at Max Scherzer, who has played for multiple different teams across the American and National League. So you figure he's at least gotten to play every team. Kershaw, on the other hand, has been with the Dodgers the entire time. So there's a lot of games you don't see against the American League East, the American League Central, the American League West. I know they see at the American League West a little bit more the last couple of years. So I would assume that at least two of the three are in the American League Central or East, if not all three. Uh, I, maybe a National League team squeaks in there, but... Give me shot a in the dark. Me- shot in the dark. I'm gonna go Kansas City. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay, and then I'm gonna go. Let's just. I'm gonna give like a shot in the dark National League team and say Miami. Ben, Ben, no, all three. <laughs> I told you, there's shots in the dark. <laughs> they were. John, do you have any guesses? Uh. I want to go. I'm going to say it probably leaning towards uh, Ben Guess. That's probably going to be at least maybe two out of three. Maybe all three are probably uh, American League teams because he's been with the Dodgers his whole career. So I'm going to say Orioles, Twins, 
I'm going to double up on the central here and say the uh, the Guardians. John, you got one. All night. Which one? He has never beaten the Baltimore Orioles. So, Ben, your thinking was right. Two of the teams are American League. One of them is National League. We got Baltimore, and the other team was the Boston Red Sox. He rarely played the AL East, and the AL East is always very good. So not a lot of opportunity to beat them, especially when they're good teams. So Baltimore and Boston are the two American League teams Kershaw has not beaten yet. And the third one I thought was the easiest one. I mean, it's just common sense. You both kept saying he played his whole career. Yeah, he, he didn't beat the Dodgers. Okay, he's Corey. never beaten the Dodgers. Come on, that guy. shouldn't even count. That's yeah, that one that shouldn't count. What do you mean? Did he ever beat the Dodgers? No. Then it he probably never will. Who knows? He hopefully never will. I like when players stick with their teams, you know, for their whole career, loyalty on both sides and all that. But Kershaw never beat the Red Sox, Orioles, or Dodgers. Bartolo Colon was getting honored by the Mets. I I know, Ben, you saw that. John, I don't know if you did. The Mets are getting uh, into the habit of kind of being like the Yankees. They seem to be honoring a lot of guys recently. Gary Cohen, Howie Rose. Ben, as the Met fan, how do you feel about what they're doing? Are there any other players and people you think that they should honor that they haven't honored already? No, I think they're doing a good job, and I think they're doing a good job of, you know, bringing back names that they do. And this is the Steve Cohen effect. As soon as he took over, the older generations of players have been coming back. They've been encouraging it. You know, they have done things for their guys I think, you know, bringing guys back like Bartolo, it's nice because, yeah, you know what? You don't think of him as a Met necessarily. Maybe you do because of recency bias, but he didn't spend the majority of his career in New York, but he was beloved by Mets fans. And you can argue maybe even his best years in New York weren't even in a Mets jersey. But, you know, for Bartolo Colon, he was such a fan favorite. He loved playing in front of the Mets fans, and the Mets fans really embraced him. So it's nice to see them bring him back and honor him. It's nice to see them do this for Al Leiter, for Gary Cohen, for Howie Rose, you know, honoring the broadcasters, guys like Gary Cohen. I mean, how rare is it that one of the better broadcasters in all of baseball is a lifelong fan and ends up broadcasting for his team? It's special. It's awesome. You love to see it. And then Howie Rose, he's he's a legend you know, he he basically never takes a day off. He was always doing games, whether it was the Mets on WFAN. Now, you know, they bounce the Mets games on the radio all over the place. But, you know, I believe it's uh, CBS 880 now. But when you look at, you know, what Howie Rose has just done, not even just for the Mets, but for New York sports in general, and, you know, being the guy for the Islanders, where a lot of Mets fans are Islanders fans as well, it's, it's special. And the fans like to see it. And it's nice when these guys who have put in this much time and work and effort into the organization are being recognized, I definitely, definitely love to see it as a fan, especially as someone who wants to be a broadcaster. You want to see these guys get noticed, especially when you love the work they've done. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love what the Yankees do. You have all these people that you grew up with that are just old parts of the team's history being brought back. And it is special, especially for the younger generations to learn about the history of the team. Now, I don't think of Bartolo as a Met when I think of Bartolo. I either think of him as a Yankee or, you know, an A 
because I did love those early 2010s teams with Bartolo and Freddie Garcia on the Yankees right after that steroid Oakland campaign. But Big Sexy is beloved by everybody. He's somebody who I can hope will one day make the Hall of Fame despite the PEDs because he was such a fun player. And his numbers, even as a compiler, are still more than good enough to be in the Hall towards the lower end of it, but still good enough. Just He's just a fun player. That home run he hit was one of the most amazing things I think that'll happen in the next 100 years of baseball. Because yeah, That was, call from Gary Cohen was unbelievable. The impossible has happened. You know, Keith Hernandez making fun of the trot. You know, Ron Darling said, you know, I was going to say this is the slowest trot, but I think this is his full speed. <laughs> the yeah, whole dugout hiding in the lo- uh, hiding was, in the clubhouse when he comes back. He's just laughing. He knows what just happened in San Diego. Not to mention the fact that the seven line was there and that's where he hit it. It was amazing. It was just incredible all around. One of the most memorable things you'll ever see. The video is still just the call, the video, everything was perfect. So good for Bartolo and good for the Mets and their fans to be able to honor him in a few weeks. And the, good on the Mets for honoring a lot of players. David Wright, Jose Reyes, I'm sure will get there too. You have a lot of great players. I wonder, though, if DeGrom will end up being honored given the way he left. That might take some time to heal that relationship. I think it also comes back to, I think the Mets will honor Jake because the Mets, you saw what they did and tributes they did. Um, it, it comes down to if Jake wants to come back, honestly. I think it's it's really one-sided. I think Mets fans understand why he, he no longer wanted to be a New York Met. And while we may not be happy about it, Mets fans do not forget the years of dominance and greatness that he brought, especially because he was the only light during those times most of the time. Speaking of light during those times, did you guys see what uh, Noah Syndergaard said the other day about giving up his hypothetical firstborn to be able to be the old him again? How pathetic is that? I truly think Syndergaard might be the most pathetic player in all of baseball. To be honest, I think he he and it's it's he did it to himself. Yeah, he did it to himself. He the Mets tried to save him in 2017 and he wanted to be the guy so bad who just put the team on his back and carried them that he pitched through something that he couldn't pitch through and he ruined his career. The Mets tried. They tried so hard. And couldn't he he did it to himself. It goes beyond that though. How many times has he just ditched pitching against the Mets? He was well, he's he's on lost, the Angels, got traded to the Phillies, and then just ducked the Mets. To me, that's honor honestly one of the most pathetic things a player can do. Dodge another team because you don't want to face them. It's sad. It's Look, a it's sad, soft. sad thing to do. It's soft, but that's when it started in 2017 because he was never himself again. In 17, you know, he he missed the rest of the year, wasn't himself in 18, wasn't himself in 19. He was brutal in 19. I think his ERA was over four. You know, everyone expected him to return to form. Then 2020, he ends up getting Tommy John, misses almost – he misses the entire abbreviated 2020 season, missed the – entire 21 season i think he came back and threw an inning 
and then he goes and signs elsewhere. He just was never the same after that lat injury in 2017. He's got he had such great stuff, but at this point in his career, just where it's going, he might want to transition into being a reliever, honestly. That might give him a little longevity and really let him focus on working one, maybe two innings max, you know, every couple of days and just really build himself back up. But he's an alpha guy. You know what I mean? He's somebody who wants to be the guy, like you said. So I'm not sure. But if you want to be the guy, you can't be ducking people. And that's where, you know, he lost his confidence. He lost his psyche and the injuries did that. And he did it to himself. Yeah. It's really sad. Now he's there with the Dodgers. And uh, speaking of the Dodgers, uh, the Yankees are playing the Dodgers. Did you guys see the catch that judge had on Saturday night? Just Unbelievable. Incredible. Full extension with his arm out, just running straight through the bullpen wall. Now, it's going to cause a little discourse because how do you have a wall that's able to be moved like that with a step up? That's a torn Achilles, ACL, something waiting to happen when somebody runs into that wall and trips over that little step there. You got rid of Tal's Hill in, in Houston because of that. But how can you keep this if the wall is movable? If the wall's able to to get budged at all, you can't have a lip where somebody can just trip and fall face first into concrete. Now, luckily, Judge didn't. After the game, he did say his ankle was bothering him a little bit, nothing serious. But just still, it's something to be concerned about. Now, in keeping with that play, though, that incredible catch, one judge deserves his gold glove. He's been a gold glove caliber player for years now, never being honored with it, but that should stop. He he deserves it. He's he's earned it more than anybody, I think, at this point, just with how he plays the game and how incredible his defense is. But also, I don't know if you guys noticed how there was a runner on first before that, and then after that play, the runner was on second, but the runner never tagged up. They actually called Judge being out of play which allowed the runner to be put on second base because the ball was out of play. Now, at first thoughts, that's not something you really want. That's, you know, stupid really, but it it is an accurate interpretation of the rules. Judge's glove and the ball did travel slightly out of play. You can hate it all you want, but it is the right call. Nothing came of it. No run scored, no harm, no foul, but it was, you know, one of those things where you're like, come on, he just made an incredible play. You're going to let the runner move up on him. Something else incredible happened in, in uh, Los Angeles. The Angels' 2022 third-round pick. He was drafted last summer, made his debut this week, and he's been throwing heat. Just 102, 103, 101-mile-an-hour fastballs. He's like, hey, I'm throwing you a fastball. Hit it. And nobody's able to, to react to him. It's just mind-boggling how somebody can throw that fast that consistently i was reading something too that in college he was like recorded throwing 105 like the kid just throws heat like absolute heat yeah he he throws gas last time we saw a player throw the gas this early though was jordan hicks with the cardinals and we kind of know how that shook out where he was just never able to stay healthy and keep that form only Aroldis Chapman's been able to do that over a long period of time. And even he gets pretty gassed out and tired pretty easily now in his old age out there in Kansas City. 
I think, uh, and while obviously he doesn't have the velocity that we're seeing from Joyce, I think it's going to be more like a Hunter Green situation where we're going to see him, you know, look like he's plateauing right around that 100, 101 mark, 102. Hunter Green will be a little bit under that, but I think we'll see success. I think we'll see consistency. It seems like it's effortless in his arm. But, you know, you look at DeGrom, it was an uptick in velocity that seems to be causing his discomfort. So, I don't know, maybe if it's natural for this kid, it won't be an issue. Yeah, I hope not. It's every time you see somebody throw a ball that fast, it's mind-blowing. Sticking with the Angels, though, Anthony Rendon, he's not going to face any charges from that incident back the first week of the season. Really the first series, I believe, when he went to go punch a fan in the face again when the angels are playing the athletics. So he won't be facing any charges. The police were investigating him in the incident and they decided to just leave it be. I think that's for the best. He's somebody who kind of took the money and run after getting signed with the, uh, the angels after leaving the nationals after that world series, he took the money, ran, he got the bag and uh, he's getting paid to really be a, not even a mediocre player, just a, a bad player. It's a bad contract for the Angels. Speaking of perceived bad contracts, Giancarlo Stanton and Josh Donaldson are back with the Yankees. Stanton, a lot of people like to talk about how his contract isn't great. That's an overblown reason. The money that the Yankees are paying him and the in the length, it's really like under two hundred million at that point. Doesn't stop them from signing anybody, and he's still a great player when healthy. Donaldson last year of his deal. That's a different story. That's a waste of money. But they both came back on Friday night versus the Dodgers for the Yankees. Three home runs combined. Stanton missed a second one by a couple feet in his first at bat. Was able to get one later on. Donaldson was able to hit two nukes, especially one in the ninth to cut the deficit to four runs. The Yankees didn't make the comeback. But if both those guys' bats are going, it's going to be – Pretty fun offense to watch in Yankee Town. Luis Arias of the Marlins, he went five for five with five RBI Saturday. He's now hitting 390 for the season. Now, nobody's hit 400 since Ted Williams, you know, 80 years ago. But Arias might not get to that number, but still hitting 390 is pretty insane with the way baseball is now where it's home run or strikeout. Nobody plays quite like him. Now, Red Sox announcer Joe Castiglione, his phone went off during at during and at bat against the Rays uh, Saturday night. Jose Siri was at the plate, and as I say that now on my phone, my Siri just went off too. So while broadcasting, the Siri on his phone went off over the airways while he was announcing Jose Siri, and that's kind of a uh, a really funny thing to happen because how often have you guys been doing something? said something even similar to the name Siri and your phone just goes off and it's like, come on, I wasn't even talking about that. So just a really funny thing to say. I honest, I don't even have an iPhone. I have a, an Android and it's Google and it goes off all the time somehow, all the time still. It thinks I'm talking to it. I have to say, you know, I'm not talking to you and it says, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember when Siri debuted in the postseason. And Joe Buck was uh, he he was saying that this was going to happen, and he said, "I can't wait for all of the phones in America to go off." And he goes as Jose Siri steps up to the plate, and really, it 
it, it was it is funny it's a little it's a little gag but for it to actually happen on the air and for you to actually hear it happen that's just another level like it's one of those things where yeah you know it happens you know it's something that happens to people but you actually heard it happen it makes it that much funnier it really is funny alex bregman moving on to him he hit a grand slam and was walked four times now he's only the third player since 1974 when these stats started to be kept to do that he joins jd martinez and bobby bonds barry's father as the only players to hit a grand slam and get walked four times in a game really surprising that barry never did it especially with the amount of times he got walked but who in their right mind would pitch to him with the bases loaded anyway bregman however He's the only one to have a grand slam and his only recorded at bat. Because when you walk, it's a plate appearance, but it's not an at bat. You don't get an offer or a one for or whatever it is, just nothing. So he went one for one with a grand slam and four walks. The only player in recorded baseball history to pull that feat off. And, you know, when people say that type of stuff, you think like, yeah, but that's like a, a so specific. But the fact that they're still first, you know, 150 years into baseball's history, it's a nice thing to see that you can still do something that's never been done before, no matter how specific it is. Former Astros top prospect John Singleton's back in the league. He's been out of the league since 2015, bounced around between really the Astros finally cutting bait with him. He went to Mexico to play, ended up signing with the Brewers. He hasn't played a major league game in seven years, seven months, 30 days, but he's back. Now, he's somebody who it wasn't really his skill that knocked him down. It was an archaic drug policy. Now, the drug policy that he was suspended under three different times, that's not active anymore. He was suspended three different times for marijuana. Now, Josh Gordon was very similar in that sense in the, in the NFL where Smoked a little bit, got popped, and just suspended, suspended, suspended. He couldn't help himself. And it's there's two arguments you can look at. One is the league shouldn't shouldn't even be testing for it. And then on the flip side, you gotta you gotta realize it was banned. You shouldn't, no matter what, you should know that, and you shouldn't be smoking it. Now, both those both both of those things can be accurate and right, and doesn't take away from the other. You can say that the league shouldn't test for it and that he should also know better and just not smoke it when he knows it's a banned substance. But either way, I'm glad he's back in the league. He's a very good player back when the Astros didn't have many. Top prospect. He was the first player to sign a major league extension without ever playing a major league game. So he was somebody that was thought really highly of with his uh, talent. And it's good to see him back in the league with the Brewers. I honestly don't think he should have even been suspended in the first place. I mean, I think in both regards, they're both right. Like he should have known and should have just never spent the first place, but then the league should have just never been testing for it in the, in, in the first place. I think now, you know, with marijuana and all that being used for medicinal purposes and stuff and alternatives for painkillers and stuff and recreational use, like I, I just, I don't think it has a place like a rule to be placed in sports at all. And I think I think it's I think MLB is ahead of the curve on you know getting rid of that rule, which surprises me in sport surprises me because it seems like uh, 
they're for like how bad the leagues run sometimes for them to be ahead on this guy is kind of surprising. Cause I think the, I think in the NFL, I think it's still a suspension. And I think at some point these leagues just got to get rid of that rule. I, I really do think it just boils down to, you should know the rules, no matter how stupid the rules are, follow them and fight against it while following them. And he just couldn't do it. But again, I'm glad he's back. The last piece of news we have here, though, Steven Strasburg, World Series hero, hero to the Nationals fan base. He shut down again with severe nerve damage. He's now missed some time. He had thoracic outlet syndrome. He missed a lot of time. And, you know, since he signed that seven-year, $245 million deal after the World Series, he's only pitched 31 and a third innings since 2019. That's four years ago since that deal, and he's pitched 31 and a third innings. It's just, I don't even have words. Should he just hang it up at this point? I just feel bad for the man. Well, look. For Strasburg, this is terrible. It's very unfortunate. But did you see the story that came out yesterday? The Nationals did not take out any disability insurance on this contract. No. Because premiums would have been so high. (laughs) So this story comes out yesterday that this contract was not insured at all. You can bet that Washington does not want him to hang it up. They are trying so desperately for him to get healthy, so maybe they can try to move him, eat some of the contract, get an asset for him. But at this point, they lit $245 million on fire. He has some severe nerve damage, does not think he can ever pitch again. He is done. It is time to hang it up. I mean, 30 innings in four years says it all. We've talked about DeGrom not pitching much. He's at least been like on the field more than that it's time for Strasburg it's upsetting but you know what you got your ring you got your paycheck it's time to go I agree with Ben I think it's time for the you know hang it up I mean he's 34 got nerve damage might as well retire and just you know enjoy your life while he you know still still young because 34 is still young and just enjoy his life and just you know let it go but I mean if he does come back and pitch is he even like starting pitcher like quality again or is he just going to end up being like a relief pitcher no with the money they're paying him he better be a starter they're running out patrick corbin as it already is i don't think uh a banged up strasburg could really be any worse than that but i don't know if he should hang it up i feel bad he was really talented he just was never really in his career ever able to shake the injury bug just a real shame that it happened to him especially after getting that contract and how stupid is Washington for not getting that insured? Just mind boggling. Let's go on though. Our studs and duds of the week for me, my stud starting pitcher for the Arizona diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly in 13 and a third innings pitched. He gave up nine hits, three earned runs, five walks, 18 strikeouts. He got a two eight Oh ERA on the year. And he is seven and three. He's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball this season for a really surging Diamondback team that nobody thought would be fighting for the division like they are at this point in the year. My dud, former Yankee farmhand and current starting pitcher for the Oakland Athletics, Luis Medina. In seven and a third innings pitched over the last week, he is 0-2, gave up 13 hits, 
11 earned runs, seven walks, seven strikeouts. On the year, he's 0-5 with an 8-1-9 ERA. I still wish the Yankees had him because we moved him for Frankie Montas, who I absolutely unequivocally despise. But, you know, he is my dud of the week because he's pitched so terribly. What about you guys? Well, for my stud, I'm going with Alex Cobb for the Giants. He's been really solid this year. Seven and two-thirds innings pitched this week. He picked up the win, allowing just five hits, zero walks, striking out seven. Really, overall, a strong performance for the former stud over in Tampa Bay. My dud, I'm going with the Polar Bear. Just a tough week for him. Four for 24. Two singles, one double, one triple. No home runs. He did steal a bag, and he only struck out three times, which is a solid number heading into Sunday's game. But really, I just want to see more out of the Polar Bear. Just a tough week for him. I'm going to start off with my my dud for the week, JT Ramuto. He's been absolutely just terrible almost like the past two weeks. Like the last, I think, 15 games, he's been in like 109. In the last five games, he has three three hits. I think he, he has one home run. I think he just got another home run today, and he has one RBI, but he, he's bad in 130. Just still absolutely just terrible for like how good he's been in the past and like what he's capable of. Now, my stud is another Phillies player, Nick Castellanos who's pretty much the Phillies offense, like the whole Phillies offense at this point. He has a, he has 11 hits, two home runs, six RBIs, a stolen base, and is batting 407 this past week, which is absolutely crazy numbers. He's doing, I think, what the Phillies kind of wanted to do last year, and he's kind of showing up this year now with what he was uh, meant to be doing. Now I got some questions for you guys. We recently released our top hitters and pitchers our top 10 hitters and pitchers for the month of May. Our top 10 rankings will be due out soon. You can check those out on outsidersports.net. But, John, let me ask you first. Tell me about the Phillies, but also tell me what went through your mind when doing your pitcher and hitter rankings. What were some of the things you looked at, and how did you come to terms with some of the players you did? And, Ben, I'm going to ask you that same question. Talk about the Mets, but also – what went through your mind when you did those rankings for the pitchers and hitters for the month of May? So I'm going to start off. I'll talk about the hitters and pitchers for the month of May first. So when I went through it, I took an account, like I kind of did of a kind of a cumulative thing, like up to that point in the season. So I didn't really just look at the whole month of May, kind of just a cumulative thing a little bit from like last month going into this month. And I mainly kind of looked at their stats, but I also you know, just of how good of a player they are and like how good their team's doing and stuff. Cause I put, I think for pitching, I had a uh, Nathan Uvaldi as my number one. And I think there's some other pitchers that were maybe a little bit better stat wise than him for the month of May and up to that point. But it's just like the, the Rangers are just doing so good and he's been very soft for the Rangers. And I, you know, want to put him up at number one hitting wise. It was a little tougher because you, you almost want to, account in sometimes you know if they're a good defender or not too kind of you look into that a little bit too more for hitting at least with me and that, that was a lot harder for me to to sort up a ranking like to get the get those guys ranked now for the the Phillies they're just absolutely terrible this year I don't know like they can't hit they can't pitch I mean the, the big problem is like their veteran players are just not showing up this year I mean all the fans want to blame Rob Thompson and all that stuff I mean 
I don't know what more you can do when your veteran and star players aren't playing up to their potential. Like, what more you what more can you do? And then you have Alec Baum going down with an injury. You had Alvarado getting hurt. I mean, it seems like the only players who are actually doing anything and carrying their weight is like Harper and Castellanos. Like everyone else is just doing terrible. Like JT Muto, Trey Turner, Schwarber, just absolutely terrible on the year. And their pitching just is up and down, up and down, up and down. Like they they just got to figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the rankings first, Corey. And I told you that when I sent you my rankings, it was a tough debate between one and two for Tampa Bay and Texas. I did keep Tampa there just because they're over 40 wins. But Texas, this recent run has been great. They've been on fire. They're knocking on the door. They're one more great week away from taking over that spot from Tampa Bay. I also let you know, though, that spots three through eight are all interchangeable. That has Houston, Baltimore, the Yankees, Arizona, the Dodgers, and Atlanta. 9, 10, and 11 were the other three spots up for the debate. Miami at number 9, Toronto at 10. Miami's been on fire. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, so that's what gave me the nod for them. And Toronto, they're a better record, and honestly, I think that they're a better team, in my opinion, than Minnesota. So that's why they got the nod over the Twins. When I look at my rankings and how I did them, like John, it's more cumulative. But when you look at some of the names that I put in here for – the pitchers sake there are a lot of guys who have had great seasons there are a lot of pitchers who i think also though are just upper echelon guys they have a different feel on the mound that's how it is with shane mcclanahan that's how it is with framber valdez and that's how it's been with castillo and gallon on the mound that's why they're one through four in terms of hitters Ronald Acuna is going to be the National League MVP this year he's the best hitter all around when it comes to power average base running not necessarily his mind on the bases. I think sometimes he can let his mind wander, but he's able to steal bases like nobody's business. Aaron Judge is clearly the best hitter in the American League. Those two guys are one and two. Freddie Freeman's average has been on fire. Same thing for Luis Arias. Jordan Alvarez, the RBIs are there. Polar Bear Pete, it's weird. The home runs and the RBIs are there, but the average is atrocious. You asked me about Jorge Soler. You said I was the only one who had him in the top 10 of my rankings off the air. The home runs and RBIs are looking good. The average, it's okay. But you know what? Miami's offense has been doing great, and Jorge Soler is a big reason for that when it comes to the Mets. They did a good job against Philly, but it looks like they're about to get swept by Toronto. Uh, They're in the middle of that game while we are recording this. So really, it's just up and down. They've been great at home, but they're about to get swept at home. So we, it's a long season. We'll have to see. It's going to be a tough month of June, but June is going to be a big time deciding month for this team, whether or not they are going to be a playoff team. Yeah. And Ben, you know, all too well about the June swoon and how that connects to the Mets, the Yankees on the flip side, they've been playing better as of late since they've gotten a lot of their players back and they're still due back a few more Bader came and went. He seemed to have been here just for a flash in May before getting hurt again. The Yankees, They're a mixed bag. Sometimes they play fantastic. Other times, not so great. But the best player, I think, to me, just in general, in the whole month of May, was Aaron Judge. The 12 home runs. Now he's one behind Alonzo for the league lead in home runs in at least 10 less games. He's hitting balls and home runs at a better clip than he did last season in his record-breaking 62 home run season he's on pace to break that right now with 63 if not more 
because he hasn't been hot with the home runs like he was last year either. So the home runs per bat is better. The average is still teetering around 300. He's having just such an incredible season. To me, he was the best player in May. Now, quickly, I want you guys to tell me what one series that you're looking for this week. Because for me, Boston travels to New York, Sunday night baseball. And I think that's the one series you got to look for. It's always great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the two teams I said have been the best. That's Texas and Tampa Bay. They meet at the end of this week at the Trop. It should be a really exciting matchup. My weekly uh, highlight I'm looking at is the Mets at the Pirates. You got the Mets are our third in the NL East, and the Pirates are, I think, tied for first in the NL Central. Pirates are, I think, at, on a five-game win streak right now. If they beat the Mets, do good again. Might sneak into the my top ten again. And with that said, that'll do it here. Check out our rankings, OutsiderSports.net, the Twitter, OutsiderSports3, YouTube, and TikTok. Just search up Outsider Sports. And keep it locked for some great hockey programming with the finals ongoing.